I like controversy. And admit it, you like controversy too. You gotta love controversy. You know this royal wedding that's supposed to happen next week? It's not gonna happen. It's just not gonna happen. Controversy, it's gonna all just implode. He's gonna bail, it's just not gonna happen. Go home and tell your friends, you can quote me. <laughs> you know that kid on American Idol with the beard somehow made it to the, to the final six? He's gonna win. He's gonna win. That crazy kid who plays every kind of instrument in the world, he's gonna win. Quote me on it, you can tell your friends. Controversy. The Boston Red Sox are going to lose 100 games this year. Controversy. Uh, if you don't believe me, you can leave right now. Just go ahead. Go home. Tell your friends. Quote me on it. We love controversy. And right now, there's a national discussion about heaven and hell because a pastor has raised a controversy. Rob Bell is the pastor of Mars Hill Church. It's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And all of a sudden, he hits CNN. All of a sudden, he's being written about everywhere, blogged about everywhere, because he hit the cover of Time magazine with this deal. What if there's no hell? A popular pastor's best-selling book has stirred fierce debate about sin, salvation, and judgment. We don't have fierce debate about sin, salvation, and judgment anymore, but there it is on the cover of Time magazine. Controversy. And we've got to deal with it. That whole issue about Gandhi kind of opens up a bigger question. And I'm going to answer that question Today, but I must warn you, I will answer it with a question. In Time Magazine, with the article titled, Is Hell Dead? John Meacham writes this. So begins Bell's controversial new bestseller, Love Wins, a book about heaven, hell, and the fate of every person who ever lived. Works by evangelical Christian pastors tend to be pious, or at least on theological message. The standard Christian view of salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth is summed up in the Gospel of John, which promises eternal life to whosoever believeth in him, quoting the King James there in Time Magazine. Traditionally, the key is the acknowledgement that Jesus is the Son of God, who in the words of the ancient creed, for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was made man. In the evangelical ethos, one either accepts this and goes to heaven or refuses and goes to hell. So here we have Time Magazine acting somewhat like a bully pulpit, at least for a few moments. But then the writer goes on to say this. It was only when Jesus failed to return soon after the passion and resurrection appearances that the early church was compelled to make sense of its recollections of his teachings. Like the Bible, a document that often contradicts itself and from which one can construct sharply different arguments, notice that the writer from Time Magazine doesn't say, Time Magazine, which can construct sharply different arguments and contradict itself, doesn't say that, but it's true. What many believers in the 21st century accept as immutable doctrine was first formulated in the fog and confusion of the first century. File fog, file confusion. A time when the followers of Jesus were baffled and overwhelmed. File baffled, file overwhelmed. 
by their experience of losing their Lord. Many had expected their Messiah to be a Davidic military leader, not an atoning human sacrifice. Well, let's find out what the controversy is all about. And to do that, let's start in the first chapter of the book of Acts. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They were still trying to put some of these pieces together. And so they, they asked this political question. Is this what's going to happen now? Are we going to, to come to power here? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power, the different kind of power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus didn't have a political agenda. He had a communication agenda. It was really important for him not to start a controversy, but to start something that people could be certain about and build their lives on. And so the question, who is God, hangs in the air. And the question, was Jesus God, hangs there with it. Let's go to Luke, the first chapter. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Ah, that name shows up again. We just heard it in the book of Acts. You see, Luke was a physician, and he was so invested in getting this right that he wanted this man, Theophilus, to have all the facts and all the details. He writes the longest gospel, more words, more meanings than anybody else, because he is a physician, and his investment is in details, in seeing what is true, and in going towards a conclusion that is right and good. It's in his very nature to do that. It's, it's how he was trained. It's just the way his mind works. And so he writes to this man, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. The certainty of all these things about Jesus Christ. Fog and confusion? Fog and confusion? Throughout history, People have tried to, to make it out to be foggy and confusing, but it's not foggy and it's not confusing. That's misleading. It's a bald-faced lie. 
John put it this way. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. He tells it this way in the letter of 1 John. And this is the testimony. In other words, and this is it, folks. This is the best way I can put it to you. That God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Baffled and overwhelmed? John doesn't sound baffled to me. John isn't overwhelmed. He saw Jesus with his own eyes. He hugged him. He experienced him for weeks after the resurrection. And he was so sure of this that he writes to you these words. I write these things to you who believe that you may know that you have eternal life. There's no fog or confusion. There's no being baffled or overwhelmed. Was Jesus God? Oh, you better believe he was God. And who is God? God's the one who has always been trying to reach out and communicate to us his love and his grace. And Christian teaching for 2,000 years has been that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen God. It is stunning. The, The empty tomb is stunning. It stops us in our tracks. It calls each and every one of us to a decision. And so what's so amazing about grace? What's amazing about all these things? What is utterly amazing is that God has made a relationship with you available to you. All you have to do is choose it. You see, he stretched out his hands like this. So he could stretch out his hands like this. And he's doing that right now. Remember in the Gospels where it talks about the veil and the temple was torn in two? It's a very significant part of the story. Behind the veil was a place called the Holy of Holies. And once a year, the high priest would go in there and he would, he would stand there. And there was a blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of the sins of a nation. But when Jesus died on the cross... That was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. His hands went like this, so his hands could go like this. And there didn't need to be any more going behind a curtain because the amazing grace flowed out over the whole world. And it's been available ever since that time for you. And so there's this big national conversation and there's a debate about sin and salvation. That debate was settled 2,000 years ago. All that's left is for you to make a decision. 
The word grace is used over 120 times in the New Testament. And one of my favorite places where I read about grace and I understand the magnitude of what God has done is in Ephesians chapter 2. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. In other words, because what Christ has done, because of that, you can have eternal life. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Every gift that I've ever been given, I've had to receive. I've had to take. Sometimes I've had to unwrap it. Other times I've had to to enter an experience of being in the gift. But whatever it is, it, it takes me doing something. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And so you have to decide what will you do about this amazing grace. Not by works so that no one can boast. There's nothing that you can do to make this happen. This was made happen by God himself. He stretched out his hands like this so he could stretch out his hands like this. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And there is the secret of amazing grace as it unfolds into everyday life. Literally that means which God prepared for us to walk in. Which God prepared in advance for us to walk in. We progress. We make use of opportunities. We, we go forward. In, in the Hebrew mindset, it's much more simply defined. Which God prepared in advance so that we could live. And so amazing grace is you living the life of everything that God has given for you to do. And when you live that life, you not only have received amazing grace if you have received Christ, but you are living out the amazing grace of a life that knows God and serves God with all your mind and with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. The controversy was settled a long time ago. So what's the real question? You know, the real question isn't isn't the Gandhi question. And the real question isn't even, how do I live a great life? The real question that I will answer with a question is this. What have you decided to do with Jesus? What have you decided to do with Jesus? Eight weeks ago, I told you the story about how I went to the Norfolk Sports Club to hear Bobby Bowden speak. I love hearing big-time coaches speak. Bobby Bowden, second most winningest coach in the history of of collegiate, collegiate football. And so I wanted to hear him. I wanted to hear what he had to say. And so I was there, and I listened, and I took notes. And very interestingly, he only said one thing, and that was from the Bible. He actually preached a message and he wove some football stuff in there but he actually preached a message on Proverbs 4.23 above all else guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life 
And as a pastor, I knew that he was up there preaching a message and I knew what he was doing. And so afterwards, I thought I'd like to try to get up there and, and say something to him face to face, just kind of get up there. And I thought, oh, there's probably going to be a lot of people up there and I won't be able to get, get near him. And it's already very late, but I thought I'll go give it a shot. So I walk up there. It was like the parting of the Red Sea. It's like everybody moved out of the way and I walked right up and there I was face to face with Bobby Bowden. And I took that, that picture and I looked him in the eye and I said, I'm a pastor and I want to thank you for that verse you used tonight. And as soon as I said, I'm a pastor, his eyes lit up. He knew that I knew. He knew that I knew what he had done. And he got all excited about that. And he looked at me and he, he stared intently into my eyes and he signed an autograph for me. And I thanked him. And then I turned and I walked away. And as I walked away, suddenly I heard, hey. It was a Bobby Bowden, hey. I always wanted to play collegiate football. I thought, he saw my size. He said, I see a fullback in that kid. Um, you know, he said, hey. And so I turned around and there he was. He was looking right at me. I was already 10 feet away. And I walked back and he looked me right in the eye. And he said this, he said, I could have gone to Matthew. I could have gone to Matthew. And I knew, I knew it was a sign from God that I was supposed to take this play that the coach was running into the game and I was supposed to figure out what does that mean? I could have gone to Matthew. And I just looked at him and I said, I got it. And I went to Matthew and here's the play that he wanted me to run in. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He predicted it before it even happened. Matthew 22, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And they're kind of looking for something that's kind of like an answer to fill in the blank. And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus says, it's a relationship. It's not a fill in the blank question. My hands are going to go like this so that my hands can go like this. Matthew 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also above all else. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. You see, you have a decision to make today. You have a decision that is the biggest decision you can ever make in your life. You could get to the end of your life and have lived it and missed this You've got to understand, he came, his hands went like this, so his hands could go like this. He loved you from before time began, and all he ever wanted was for you to live with him forever in heaven. The debate, the controversy was settled 2,000 years ago on a Friday when he went to a cross to be there in your place. The controversy was settled on a Sunday morning when there was an empty tomb. 
Now you must settle the controversy in your heart and with your life by making a decision about what you will do with Jesus Christ. If you will accept him today, if you'll invite him into your life, if you will let him be in your heart, you will live a life of amazing grace that goes beyond your wildest dreams. What will you do with Jesus Christ? It's your decision. Dear Heavenly Father, we heard the scripture and it is so clear. There was no confusion. There was no fog or being overwhelmed. Oh Father, they heard him, they saw him, and they began to understand what it meant when he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. So Father, I pray right now that men and women would have understanding and would make the most important decision that they can that they can ever make in their lives to give their hearts to you. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Do nothing no, till you hear.